This is Timeline. I'm James Stewart. We're at part six of our 10-part series, exploring the life, work, and influence of composer Julius Eastman. We've talked a lot about Eastman's past and personality. In this episode, we'll focus on his music. Early in his career, Eastman had made a name for himself as a performer of other people's music. He was invited to join the Creative Associates, an avant-garde classical music program at SUNY Buffalo's Center for the Creative and Performing Arts. He had a financial stipend with very few strings attached and began creating his own works. You may remember Mary Jane Leach from earlier in this series. She's a composer whose work has brought Eastman's music to a new generation and really followed the changes in Eastman, the man, and his music. He started taking more charge of his, his pieces. He just was much more specific about what he wanted. Eastman caught the attention of other composers as well, like Kyle Gann, who wrote for The Village Voice in the late 80s and 90s. Kyle says Eastman's works were pretty radical for the times. You know, there was a tremendous, tremendous wall between pop and classical music at that time. You could not cross that line. Julius brought a pop sensibility into minimalism earlier than anybody else would have dared do it. Author John Kalaki says Eastman's music especially stood out because it was 1976. It was a different musical era then. And if you think about the kind of new music scene in New York back then, it was Philip Glass, wonderful, Steve Reich, but their minimalism was kind of a cool, detached, mathematically precise building with their their crescendos and everything had kind of a balance to it. So Julius and his pieces at that same time in the 70s, he had these four grand pianos pounding, pounding at each other in the pieces, or 10 cellos, and it wasn't minimalism. I mean, it was at that beginning time that that was happening, but he had a fire in it that was quite different. What made Eastman's music different from his contemporaries? Well, let's start with how Eastman characterized his own work. He used the term organic music to describe his compositional technique. What I call make organic music. That is to say, the third part of any part, of the third measure, or the third section, the third part, has to contain all of the information of the first two parts and then go on from there. You know, minimalism was was about slow change. Julius's organic idea was that you would you would play some material, then you would play some more material with it that would contain the old material, and then you would play go on and play something that contained that material. It is very organic because when you start dealing with a harmonic series or things like that, there's something very basic that I think people respond to. Uh, it's almost visceral in a in a way. In some of his music, which was very strange, it was that he would start out very, very tonal, and by 20 minutes into the piece, you'd be playing all 12 pitches at once, or you'd be playing 12 different keys at the same time. Despite the pop sensibility, he wrote a lot of chaos, and he would let the chaos evolve gradually out of the, out of the opening, very simple material. This concept of organic music brings to mind the image of a fractal, repeated patterns that evolve and shift with infinite complexity defined by simple rules. That's why so many ensembles and bands are being drawn to Eastman's music. 
there's always something new to discover. The way that different groups are really taking the works and making them individual. That's Richard Balatudo from the new music ensemble, Wild Up. Uh, I think one of the first examples of that was the Horse Lords recording of Stay On It, or the jazz quartet. Totally. Um, which it it is, it, you, in my opinion, like they play the work in a way that not a lot of arrangements will necessarily play the capital W work. It's so interesting because you hear infusion of the sounds and building on the sounds into words, but you also hear this inflection and this this beat that goes into it, and then it it, it becomes very propulsive, you know, moving forward and very joyful, just very joyful. There's life and joy in so much of Eastman's music. However, some of his titles say something else entirely. In our next episode, we'll ask, what's in a name? Stay with us and follow the timeline at vermontpublic.org slash timeline.